58! Episode 58 of the Wolfpack Podcast. Welcome to the show. My name is Tyler Wolf and I'm your host. I'm feeling anxious today. I've had very little food and very much caffeine. Um, Let's see what's new. I got a new toy. I got a 45-pound kettlebell. And if you know me, boy, I love a bargain. It was not even on sale. The price structure on walmart.com was confusing, yet beneficial. Kettlebells typically go for $2 a pound. And I got this $45 kettlebell. Um, tax included for $49. 45 pounds, $49. That's a little over a dollar a pound. That's uh, incredible. That's an incredible deal. So I got it. Excited. Uh, 45 pounds is fairly heavy for kettlebell workouts um, because of the nature of what they are and whatever. I can't explain it like a professional. But uh, I'm sore today as a result of it, which is a great thing. Um, I gotta say, man, I gotta. I, w- I was at jujitsu, and um, a instructor um, who I respect very much. Um, I got a chance to roll with him several times, and I asked him. I said, "Dude, you're you're gonna choke me out ten out of ten times. Okay, you're gonna submit me. Will you do me a favor? Will you?" narrate our roles while we're rolling. Will you tell me what you're doing uh, and, and why? And he was like, sure. And he did it and it was actually very, very helpful. So I learned something about my brain in that moment. Uh, hearing something while feeling something really helps solidify the information in my head because I learned a lot in those few moments. Um, the other day, I was up late waiting for our foster son, uh, Calvin, to wake up and be ready for his last bottle of the night. And he woke up and started crying for the bottle. And then he let out this scream. It was like a roar. And uh, as soon as he just let out this scream, I had just this picture of a lion in my head. And as I had that picture of a lion in my head, I had that feeling in the pit of my stomach um, where this is hard to articulate um, without being overly mystical, but I just was like, um, something is speaking to me in this moment. And ever since the day we picked up our foster son, Calvin, from the hospital, I just, um, from the moment I saw him, I had a sense of, a strong sense of justice related to him. And, uh, and so I was just, I couldn't get this, this idea of lion out of my head, uh, in relation to Calvin. And so as always, I gave it a goog about the meaning of a lion. And it was so cool as a lion is a very, very common symbol of justice. Well, my son, Micah, he was given the nickname Micah Moose at birth. And he's got pet moose. He's got some moose on his wall. We call him Moose. We call him Micah Moose. And it's just a fun, cute little nickname for him. Well, I'm like, okay, so now I'm on this track. And so I'm just having fun. I give that a goog. And the, the moose um, has been known as a symbol of adaptability, uh, confidence, strength, and energy. And I was like, that is my son. That is my son. 
uh, just riding out this animal thing. Uh, I get a little, in, I, I gotta admit, I get a little insecure talking about those things because maybe because I care, maybe I just care what people think too much and I don't want to sound like a flake. I don't want to sound like a frosted flake. I don't want to sound like uh, like an overly mystical, weird person, but maybe I shouldn't care about those things because it was a cool, it was a cool moment. Uh, and now I've been calling Calvin, Calvin Cub, which was uh, a version of it that my wife came up with. Or Little Lion Man. Which is funny because I'd love to sing that song to him. Little Lion Man by Mumford and Sons. But it's got the F word like a hundred times in it. So I'm not sure that's the song to sing to the baby. Uh, I mean, who am I? Samuel L. Jackson? I had a meeting this week. Uh, It's uh, my step study. And it was me and several other people that are in my line of work all in recovery and it's all you know of course it's anonymous I'm not going to share a ton about them I can just share about me Um, and we just did introductions or whatever and we're going to spend at least the next year uh, doing a deep dive into the 12 steps of recovery um, and the eight biblical principles uh, in relation to those 12 steps and uh, all I gotta say man is I'm is I'm grateful this little community that I've just joined over Zoom is something I very, very much needed, uh, and I'm excited because I've had the realization, and maybe I've mentioned this on the podcast, uh, in Christ and in recovery, I'm an 11-year-old person, 11 years old. That's not old. Uh, I can get really excited about 11 years of recovery, and that's good, and I'll do that. But I can also, you know, come back to earth with that statement and say, I'm just, I'm just 11. Um, Man, a physical 11 year old can't drive a car, can't vote, can't do much. Um, I hope you get the drift of what I'm trying to say. Um, Trying to just know my place in the world, know my place in recovery, um, know my place in Christ. Um, I am not a big deal. But I am very, very grateful for this step study. Okay, let me get to the interview today. This guest is my brother-in-law, Ben Bright. And I can't even begin to describe how much this person means to me. He has helped me so much over the years. And he's one of the most unique and quietly powerful people that I know uh, I hit the jackpot in the in-law department on both sides of my family Benjamin Bright is today's interview 58, Ben Bright gonna be great listen to this and meditate thank you for listening now for the interview podcast everybody this week's guest is our most one of one of our most sought after guests one of the people that people come to me and they say when are you gonna get this fella on the show 
Uh, they say, I know he's a big deal. I know he's busy. I know he has a lot going on, but are you ever going to get him on the show? Welcome to the Wolfpack Podcast, Ben Bright. How you doing, Ben? Good, Ty. I got to say, long-time listener, <laughs> first-time guest. I, well... And I'm, I also want you, I want you to know, I'm here for the listener. I, well, I'm glad you're here. And I said that singular on purpose. <laughs> Sup, Sally? Sup, Mom? Um, I, uh... What you just said contributes to a list that I want to share with you later, but you have a way, like you just ripped on me in a very subtle, yet cutting way. Uh, it hurt, but I admire the cleverosity of it. But a long-time listener. Yeah, a long-time listener. Fan of the show. Well, you also said yesterday, and here I am again, talking about my show, on my show, do it often. You said yesterday... Um, I haven't listened to all the episodes. And I said, why did you stop listening? And you said, I didn't say I stopped listening, which was your very clever way of saying I skip over certain guests. I actually haven't skipped a guest. I've listened <laughs> from the beginning uh, straight through to about episode 20 something. Okay. We are in the 50s. So I. So you did stop listening? No, I just haven't gone at the same rate i started at like early on it was like a weekly at the gym headphones on on the treadmill listening to you and you and t whitney just going to town on the pod well let me ask you this did you stop going to the gym well everyone stopped going to the gym it's called covid i didn't and things shut down i didn't so we did a lot of outdoor running and Uh now that it got cold uh my wife's got me on keto you don't want my uh my voice in your ears on an outdoor run or what we stopped because it got cold. Okay. Okay. Uh, so for those that That's don't know... That's going to pick up on your podcast, that little... Oh, yes. We're sitting in our other brother-in-law's office. Uh, I'm on a exercise ball. Ben's, you know, right where he was born in one of these things, an office chair. <laughs> I actually got to ask because we're looking at all of Eric's degrees and uh-huh. CPA, like, certificates on the wall. Yes. Bean counting. And, yeah. Expert at counting beans somebody's <laughs> got to do it and then on the other side of the room is all of melissa's achievements and accomplishments and marathons and i actually have to ask ty how does it feel for you looking at your sister's achievement wall fine fine i mean i have a club foot which you know and so every one marathon i run counts as two and a half i so. wasn't asking you i didn't want you to compare i was just saying what do you think about your sister and her accomplishment i think it's great i think it's great I think it's uh, I think it's cute how many marathons she's run, you know. And Eric's college degrees are cool. As he, I have a Teen Challenge degree, graduation completion certificate. They made it on Microsoft Word. <laughs> ben, this is the show where we share resources, and uh, the unofficial tagline of the show is: If you have something smart to say, someone probably already said it better. So true. And if you want to have an influence on people, you don't necessarily have to be a creator. You can be a curator. Ben just ignored a phone call from his daughter. Hope she's okay. <laughs> Leave me alone, little girl. <laughs> Doing a podcast. So, so embarrassing. This is where we make recommendations to people. And I will say this. I will say this. Part of that whole premise of the show is, like I said, influencing people because if someone recommends a book to me that has an impact on my life, the person that recommended it to me 
kind of has their fingerprints on my growth. Make sense? Mm-hmm. And you, of all people, have recommended tons of books to me that have made a huge difference in my work, in my life. Uh, Radical Candor, Ben Bright. It's a good book. Uh, let's see. This one's not a Ben Bright. Oh, someone in your circle. Um, the Anger Trap, Jody Roosh. Oh, that's a good she book. She recommended that to yep. me. Really changed my life. Uh, saw the attachment of anger to self-worth. It was, it was a huge breakthrough for me. Um, Ideal Team Player, Ben Bright. Oh, that's a good book. You See, so you recommended these things to me. Now, any impact that I can, or influence that I can have on someone else's life trickles back on to you. This needs to be a video podcast, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> hey, have you heard of this thing? There's this place you go where... People have 60 seconds. Sky Zone. No, listen. Dang it. No, Sky Zone. <clears throat> fun place. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Sky Zone's that place you go to watch 15-year-olds deal with injuries from trampolines. Yes. And have to figure out what to do. It's it's amazing. <laughs> um, you're like, is the manager here? I'm the manager. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. But anyways, there's this place you go where people have 60 seconds to give you their most uh, important, significant content. And it's stuff that ranges from like world history to uh, creative stuff, iPhone tips and tricks, even dance. It's called TikTok. <laughs> Dude, you had me. You had me in there. And I was like, this sounds interesting. It's like a small version of a TED Talk. I'm millions of users, hundreds of millions of users. Okay, so you heard it here. First resource from Ben is TikTok. There's a generation of young people getting their facts for life on TikTok. What uh, do you have a tip? Do you have TikTok? Uh, I I like the scroll. I find some of it amusing. Yeah, thank you for admitting that. And I've learned like three good iPhone hacks. Do you know why people deny things like that? They they just don't admit it. That's what I'm saying. But why? What is that? I want to ask you this because you're one of the smartest people I know. If someone had a TikTok and like scrolled through it, you know, four times a week to get some laughs or whatever, but they wouldn't admit it, what is going on? Okay, so my my take primary is people like their uniqueness and being part of something that has hundreds of millions of users and is trendy and almost cliche trendy. Mm -hmm. It's embarrassing to admit that like, hey, I enjoy that thing that everybody else likes. Yeah. It's not your like niche like, oh, I know this thing nobody else knows about. Sure. The scary part of TikTok is you got like seriously young people believe in everything they read or see on it yeah. and then the one conspiracy that comes true makes all of them look real yeah but they're all out there looking for truth in life so it makes sense huh, that's as true. we all are yeah yeah i that like i i'm a believer that there is truly no such thing as a guilty pleasure if it's pleasure you have no reason to feel guilty you know what i'm saying like tiktok we go oh it's a guilty pleasure. i know it's stupid i know it's popular whatever go, well do you enjoy it Okay, well, then it's just what you enjoy. It's hilarious. For example, my wife, she doesn't like the things I like on there. There's this 911 call. Guy calls in. <laughs> he's like, they got this issue. They live on Eucalyptus Drive. And the 911 dispatch says, can you spell that for me? And he's like, you know what? We're right by Oak Street. Now, I think that's funny because he doesn't want to try to spell Eucalyptus. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I live in a town called Oconomowoc. And that's got five O's. And it's hard to, and I hate talking on the phone as well. It's just something I hate doing. Uh, very, very rarely do I enjoy it. Like if I am on a drive and I'm talking to like someone like you and we're having like a meaningful conversation that we couldn't have otherwise, I'm into it. Steve Tripp's another guy I'll talk to on the phone. 
Oconomowoc, you know what the problem is? Huh. It's too close to Manitowoc, Stephen Avery. Like, so someone not from Wisconsin her. doesn't know any better. They're like, you say Oconomowoc, and they go, are you from that place where that Netflix show is about? Not the kill place. Yeah. Um, Real resource. Make you a murderer. <laughs> so we got, we got TikTok. <laughs> no, no, no. Real resource. Here you okay, go. Hit me. This is one that I just finished reading. It's a book. Uh, it's a two-hour listen on Audible. Love it. But I love that so, you put it in hours. So good. You listen to it at one and a half speed. That shortens it by about 30 minutes. It's a good deal. Love uh, uh, It's a book by N.T. Wright called God and the Pandemic. Mm-hmm. And do you want me to tell you why I like it? Please do. Is that what we do next? Sure. All right. So I love it because he takes this approach to the pandemic. And right now in like the Christian world, you have all these people that might be on TV or flooding social media stuff with like, this is prophetic and this means, and they're trying to spell out to you what it all means and like what God is trying to do and going as far as like God did this or whichever it is. And N.T. Wright takes this biblical approach to looking at the early church and the issues they dealt with. And there were pandemics and different things in their day that they had to deal with. And instead of taking this, um, why God approach to it, they take the approach of saying, Hey, we're God's church. We're the people that God's supposed to use here on earth to bring things out about for good. And they take the approach of, instead of why they go, what should we do? Mm -hmm. And so there's caring for people who are sick. There's, being good neighbors to your neighbors and making sure they're taken care of and treating people super well during the season and actually like taking forward steps to see what you could do. And I love that. I like it. It reminds me of this. I, I, I'm sure this is a quote from someone, but I don't know who to give credit to, but the, it's like this picture of a guy shouting to the heavens, all these questions of like, why are, why are there hungry people? Why is there suffering? Why are there dying children? And then, in a sense, God could turn right back at us and just return those questions with the same questions. Hey, why are there hungry people? What are you there for? You know, let me ask you this on God in the pandemic, the book you just recommended people that are just not quite there as far as believing in Jesus. Is this a book that you would recommend to them or not? I'd actually love it for them because it takes a good approach to, um, you know, as people watch Christians behave in today's world, it's really probably confusing from an outsider uh, what a Christian is. So the, and I say that for two or three reasons, probably one of the first ones is you got stuff with a lot of Christian celebrity or, or well-known Christian people who've had moral failures or issues this year. She read this great article where a secular author wrote about it and said, it seems like you want to be more like me instead of wanting me to be more like your Jesus. Hmm. And so people are a little confused about what is a Christian Second thing is the evangelical Christian sphere where everyone's like, hey, Jesus is white Republican, sure. Trump voting person. And so I like this book because it kind of disarms those two things and goes, no, a true Christian in a season like this should care about other people mm-hmm. and about helping those in need. Hmm. Wow. See, this is why I wanted you on the show, Ben. It's good. It's just good. Do you have one more? How many more resources you got? How many do you want? Hit me. Okay. I know you're a wealth of resources. I'll give you one more book that I read this year that I really liked. Um, Sarah and I live in... Did I pull a coal? No. <laughs> Was no. I telling a really long, boring story? No, I just wanted to... I wanted to be the meat... I just wanted to... I don't want there to be two of the same type in here. I wanted to be the meathead who snoozes at a second book. But I'm all in. I'm into it. All right. So second book... 
uh, living in Minneapolis this year, we had a lot of civil unrest, a lot of racism that boiled to the surface and read this great book by Miles McPherson. He used to play in the NFL. It's called The Third Option, okay. and it presents kind of a different way of looking at race and people and their care for each other. Miles McPherson, I've heard about that. Great book. Third Option. You know what? Uh, our mutual friend, my boss, your former colleague, Pastor Todd Pope, read that book, loved it, and uh, also recommended it. Love Todd Pope. Yes, good guy. He's in a web of he's in in the web of relationship, not just from what we do for a living, but with you as far as my recovery. This episode we're recording the day after Christmas, twenty twenty, but this will post in the new year. And uh, in the new year, I'm like lasered in on my recovery because twenty twenty was like eleven years since I was a junkie, and I learned hard that I'm just not that I'm an 11 year old mm. in a sense you know what mm. I mean and that like I got shook up dude and I re- like it just never was more clear and real to me than in 2020 that I'm like oh I'm just choices away from mm. and the the ramp t- from not drinking or using to like haven't seen me for a week is it's quick it's like two steps you know what I'm saying that's 2020 i think for a lot of people it i the two things i say about it is it's revealing and refining so for me in my life and with the wife and kids there's stuff during the pandemic season of life the era of covid that i'm like wow that really bothers me and then you start digging down like well why does it bother me so much and then it reveals things in your life that probably had um a value they shouldn't have had too much value and then I feel like our hiding place of busyness was stripped away from us because we couldn't do anything. Yeah. And so we had to like look ourselves in the mirror as a society and what mm-hmm. we found was kind of ugly. <laughs> and then the refining part is just going like, hey, we see it. What do we do with it? And so I love your approach. And to commend you, what your listeners don't know is that while you were using, you lived in our house with Sarah and I. And mm-hmm. in your recovery path, you lived in our house. Yep. And the humility you've shown in owning your decisions and becoming responsible over the last 11 years is really amazing and super proud of everything that you've done and that you're still walking that the life that you're living is amazing to me thanks i appreciate it well and what you're saying reminds dave Chappelle just said he goes in relation to the pandemic and quarantine specifically he said i hope he goes he said america or the world is now forced to live with their choices do you Mm. like your stuff because now you're stuck with it and I thought that was pretty profound. And the whole reason I even bring up my recovery, because with Todd Pope and the Miles McPherson book, is I remember rolling up my sleeves, showing my track marks to my mom, sub Sally, and uh, be like, I need help. She picks up the phone, calls Todd Pope. He gets me a bed and treatment. I do the year on the inside, get my life right, right? get on the path towards a better life. And uh, I got out, and you, uh, under the direction of Pastor Michael Jackson, offered me what I call a sympathy internship. And I love calling it a sympathy internship because <laughs> it was just like, oh, he could go to Pizza Hut and probably be drinking within, you know, like weeks, you know, because who you hang around with matters. Or we could just keep him very close at a church. And what people don't understand is that when someone has an intern that's like under them, they seem like a big deal. Oh, we got interns. Oh, you got people. You got people mm-hmm. doing that. Do you, people don't understand how much work it is to have an intern. And so you like sacrificed a summer and brought me there and like just really helped me 
get some footing in the real world as soon as I got out of treatment. Uh, so I appreciate that. Yeah, I'll never forget the conversation with Pastor Mike. And it was like, <laughs> Ben, not only do I want Tyler to live in your house <laughs> when he's not at work, how would you feel about him going to work with you every day and you guys doing life 24 seven together for at least a summer. And I loved it. We, I loved uh, sharing life with you during that season. And I also remember it was like the first time we visited you when you were in, in uh, treatment at team challenge, you, the life that was in your eyes that I hadn't seen for so many years, I was just like, God, please let this be true. Please let this <laughs> let this hold. <laughs> this is real. And then you living with us, we had so much fun together, and it was mixed with these emotions of you wanting to go and see an old friend, and you know, even making things right with people that you had wronged during your your season of using, and me just being at home like. Ty, you want me to go with you? Do you want to text me? Yeah, yeah. Do you want to just leave your phone on the whole time you're with them? Because I just wanted so much for you to to do well. And again, uh, my part of that was a whole lot easier than your part. And <laughs> you made the hard choices day after day, which well, is amazing. I appreciate it. And I think I have some more of that ahead of me. I'm, I think I'm guilty of, I just, I've never been a 12-step guy. And I don't think I've given my recovery the tension it, need, it needs. Or maybe I should put it this way. It has it has an increased need for attention after 2020. Mm -hmm. And so I'm starting the 12 steps on January 12th. I'm starting this thing called CPR, which is celebrate recovery. Oh, that's cool. For pastors. Yeah. So it's just pastors in the group. Mm. Cause dude, I don't know about you. Wow. Sometimes I feel like I can't talk. I mean, there's people I can talk to, but it just doesn't really feel that way. You know what I mean? So like, I'm excited to work the steps cause I never have. Yeah. Right? yeah people, uh, Paul David trip and his book, Dangerous Calling talks about that a little bit about, you know, pastors actually need their church just like the church needs a pastor. Yeah. And the pastor needs people in their life that they can bear their soul with so they're not feeling like they have to live a, a, a private, secluded, you know, dangerous life versus a, hey, you can fully know and fully love yeah. me kind of deal. Let me share with in that vein, let me share with you a conclusion I've arrived at that in my journey to this conclusion, I have thought about you uh, specifically thinking if anybody's going to be able to pick this pick this apart, it'll be Ben. All right, let's go. Uh, in a good way. I have arrived at a conclusion uh, that when people find out that I'm a pastor, no, let me put it this way. I kind of hope they are shocked when they find out that I'm a pastor. And if one day I fail big time, I want to have pastored in a way that they're not totally surprised. Was there a question? What you, uh, my question is like, <laughs> I'm not suggesting that I just do wrong on purpose. You want people to, to see your humanity and you don't want to be judged by a label. So, Well, I'm saying when heroes fall, they crush the people yeah. under them. And so what I'm saying is, how can I just not be the hero? Yeah. I wanna, if, I fall, if I just have an alcoholic breakdown in the year 2030... I don't want people to be that surprised. I want them to be like, "Oh, we always knew he was yeah. capable of that." It's a little it's a little bit of a paradox because if you do well in what you do as a pastor and there's uh fruit to your labor in that sense, you have people that will follow you. And yeah. the more successful you are in what you're doing, that number just naturally grows. Yeah. Uh, and so you are you're always going to have people that are going to look up to you in a way and you can set the tone as much as you want. Like, Hey, I'm, I'm human. Sure. <laughs> uh, I know I have the title pastor, but 
uh, in the term man of God, I'm, I'm a man uh, and you have all of that, but people will still be, you know, deeply disappointed with anyone's failure who they look up to, sure. which is a lot of weight to carry. And then on the front end of it, I'm with you a hundred percent. Cause once you say you're a pastor, conversation changes. Yeah. And sure. yeah. And I don't want to be, I really don't want to be, I don't want to make some weird identity around it. Like, no, but I'm like, you know, I really like Led Zeppelin though. It's like, you know what I mean? Like that's just the cheese ball. Yeah. Not a, to justify it. You know, wearing a leather jacket or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Some people I feel like they work super hard to avoid it <laughs> and they pick up on stuff. Yeah. But I do this and you're like, why <laughs> is that helpful? Okay. I made you a list. Uh, Ben, you communicate really clearly and not just from a stage with a microphone, but just like in conversation with somebody, you just like communicate, uh, you get your point across. Sometimes you don't, you're like, did he just insult me? Uh, but it's always, it's always clear. Uh, you cut to the heart of people when you speak to them. Uh, you're the most accessible big deal ever because you have, people assume you're a big deal and you just married into my family. So I just got lucky that I get to be around you. People think you're a really, really big deal. And in a sense, like you might be, but you're the most accessible big deal. And the biggest deal who doesn't really see themselves as a big deal. Those, my Those are really nice things. Thank you. It's <laughs> <laughs> really nice of you. There's <laughs> uh, the last thing I want to talk about. As you know, Let's this is it. a short episode. You've complimented the length of this show. I'm sick of this exercise ball. I'm going to sit down here. You've complimented the length of this ex- this show. Uh, <laughs> now we're sitting on the ground. Yeah, I can't sit in a chair with you sitting on the ground right in front of me. It's weird. <laughs> That's how much not of a big deal you are. I'm. You told me something in a private conversation that I'm going to bring up on this podcast with tens of listeners. Thanks. Um, you talked about your habit of obsessing over... A pr- like your research of a product yep it was in reference to gloves i think a lot of people are going to relate with this and if they can see that a big deal deals with this too they're not going to feel so bad about themselves so tell me about your tendencies <laughs> my tendencies <laughs> all right so here's the deal i was deep diving into research uh, i needed a new pair of winter gloves and one of the things i've learned is that you get what you pay for yeah and so so some some people would so like for me, I yeah. go out and I buy the cheapest pair possible so it's not spend money. Other people just go, I'll just go out and buy some quality gloves and then they're good. Yeah. You're a different breed. I probably am a little different because once I recognize the need of what I like, hey, I need this. I know I'm going to need to buy it. And then the value of what I'm buying, I start going, okay, well, what what is the best version of this? And then it's like that, uh, you know, Enneagram seven, it's that compulsive. Like you're just going deep dive. Like, okay, so if I need to buy winter gloves, which ones are the best? Yeah. Uh, so not just going to like a men's health survey online or whatever. Yes. Some of those, like you scroll, you punch into the Google, what is the best winter glove? Yeah. But you get the ones that are like warmth, dexterity, windproof, waterproof, <laughs> durability, and they rank, rank them all the way through. And so I'll deep dive on that stuff until I make a purchase. But I'll go through. There's two phases of it. There's one. I start fixating on like this is what I want. And then you narrow it down to the one that you want. Once you do the research, you know the one you want. And then you're like, do I want to spend the money on the one that I want? Yeah. And then instead of going, well, I'm going to buy five pairs 
of gloves in the next three years because I don't care about them. What if I buy one pair of gloves that last three years? And then once you know the one you want, the next stage of the research for me is how do I get the best price on this thing that I want? And then I do as much work on that as the other. Have you purchased a glove and returned it? No. Really? Yeah. Because I I relate with, I will, I did this with with boots earlier this year. I wanted a pair of Red Wings. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, there's all these other brands. There's the, Wis- the Wisconsin version of Red Wings. They're all good. So mm-hmm. I did all this research, bought a pair, returned them, and then finally settled on the most expensive pair of shoes I've ever What'd you owned. get? Thoroughgoods. Thoroughgoods made in Wisconsin, handmade. I will be wearing them uh, at my alcoholic breakdown in 2020. <laughs> Stop saying <laughs> no, that. <laughs> there's going to be no breakdown, but there will be boots, and they're the ones I currently own that I bought last year. Uh, but I obsessed over them, dude. But I would return them. The yeah. the hard thing is, so now you find stuff online that you go, okay, that's the one I want. But you've never actually like seen it. They don't carry it in the store by you. They might carry that brand, but only a certain line of the yep. brand. And so then you get them in the mail and you're like, I hope these are as nice as I think they are. Because I don't want to go through the hassle of returning them. Well, I think it contribute because you said Enneagram 7. Do- then the package comes in the mail, this thing that you've researched. So now you've added anticipation. Yeah. So it's not... It's no longer a glove. It's an experience. I'm into it. Dude. Well, and that's a problem with sevens in Christmas season because their anticipation for what they're going to get is better than the thing they get most of the yeah. time. So you get it and you look disappointed and you're like, no, I'm really happy about it. But now my, I'm robbed of the joy of the anticipation. Sure. <laughs> and as you know, all roads lead back to my hobbies. I did that. I said in June, I got a membership to the jujitsu gym. Yeah. And I set the start date to be September 1st. So that I had that's perfect. A summer of anticipation. You you waited all summer to get your butt kicked. Yes, <laughs> choked, <constantly>. just choked <laughs> out. Ben Bright, thanks for being on the Wolfpack Podcast. We actually kept it way shorter than I thought we would. How do we do? Twenty six minutes. Woo! Yeah, and I'm gonna edit most of the stuff out. Yeah, take a bunch so of the bad stuff like out. Twelve minutes. Yeah, long. <laughs> like ten minutes, a monologue. <laughs> thanks for being here.